Lord, thank you so much for your grace toward us. Lord, I remember that verse that just brings life to all of us. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Thank God we have a throne of grace to go to, to find help and mercy in time of need. Thank you, Lord, that you're not counting our sins against us anymore. In this new covenant, you remember our sins no more. You are merciful to all our lawless deeds. All our iniquities are remembered no more. Because of the great mystery of Jesus' death, taking our death, taking our judgment on the tree. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome good news. Thank you for the spirit that has come where we can call you Abba and Daddy, Papa. We can talk to you about anything without fear. We can ask you anything. And everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, it shall be open to them. Thank you, Father, for so generous and so kind. You're so kind. Full of loving kindness. Thank you, Lord. Be with us in a manifest way now, Lord, as your life within each one of us reveals to us the things of God. For who can know the things of God but the Spirit of God? And your Spirit has been given to us that we might know the things that are freely given to us in Christ. So we rely on your spirit that is within us to teach us. For we need no man teach us, for the anointing within us shall lead us into all truth. And we shall abide in you. In you. You in us, we in you. Union has come. The Father and the Son, the Son and the Father. And now the Son in us and we in this Son, the great miracle of the new covenant. Oneness. Body and head, branch and vine. Oneness. Peace at last. Peace. Rest. Perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that you brought heaven to us. Heaven is within, the realm of heaven within. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, Carol, come on in. Hey, Bob. Galatians. We were just talking. Um, oh, if you guys don't mind, 
let's leave that door open because uh, yeah. it gets kind of hot in here. Actually, it feels cool today, but maybe. Yeah. Let's leave it open just in case. There's another reason I want to leave it open is that if someone happens to walk by and go to the restroom, they may say, what's going on in there? <laughs> so we might get some, some newcomer. Um, but it did get hot the other day. So. All right, cool. Um, we were just talking a minute ago before the class started that there is a, there's a transition period that we, I think we all go through when we have been raised um, with a mixture of law and grace as a believer. And I love what uh, Joseph Prince says about, about mixture. He says that uh, you know, what, men, what men call balance, God calls mixture. You can't balance law and grace. You can't balance flesh and spirit. You don't balance life and death. You don't balance the two covenants. It's mixture. And God hates mixture, the scripture says, because mixture destroys what his purposes are. You know, uh, anyway, so there's a transition period, I think, that we all as believers go through. Um, If you got the gospel right in the beginning, it'd be so awesome because, yeah, you'd still go through some struggles and Obviously, you know, learning how to live by another life within, but at least you'd be on the right page and not seeing God far away and trying to live for Him as opposed to Him living through you. But uh, when you don't see that in the beginning, when you have that mixture, there's a transition. Um, It's very similar to the uh, Israelis who were brought out of Egypt and they had this wilderness experience before the end of the Promised Land. Now, I just heard a teacher just the other day say that that the church now is in the wilderness and one day we'll get in the promised land. One day when we go to heaven, we'll be in the promised land. But, but that's wrong teaching. See, that's, there's, there are no giants to fight in heaven. You know, there's, what, the giants are here now. The flesh, the, the world, the power of Satan is, is what we battle now. And so, so the promised land is something to experience now. A land filled with milk and honey that God promised even though there were giants. God says, I have given it to you. Now go and possess it. And we can be in him and have this reality in Christ, but not be possessing it, not be experiencing it, not be enjoying it. And that's what it means to possess the land, means to enjoy it, enjoy the benefits of it. And so little by little, God reveals who he is in us so that we can take the land. He said to the Israelis, he said, I will give you the land little by little, little by little, so that you will depend on me. And he also said this. He said, and I'm not going to remove all the giants. So you'll always depend on me. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Remember Paul said, oh God, I prayed three times, remove this thorn out of my flesh. Thrice I prayed to God. And, that, and the Greek word thrice means over and over. He just didn't pray three times. Over and over, remove this thorn that is in my flesh. This messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient in this situation. For in your weakness, my power is made perfect. And then Paul got the revelation that, wow, this, this need that I have of, uh, or this struggle I have, um, many, many think, I think it was probably, it could be a lot of different things, but I think it was probably, he called it a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. I think it was probably someone that was um, going around after he preached and you can see him writing about it in his letters trying to distort the message of grace and confusing the saints and all this stuff. And he it just, it just was working on the inside of him. God, won't you just get rid of this guy that, that is always having to make me write letters back 
to straighten things up. But God knew we needed those letters, Paul. We got letters because you had to write and set things straight. Um, so anyway, um, what was I saying? About? Oh yeah, this yeah this this weakness. And then Paul says, "I boast in my weaknesses. I boast in my need of Christ, that His life might dwell in me and be manifested through me." Um, so anyway, the the the, uh, the giants in the land are it's, it's part of God's plan. And so anyway, so here we are in this transition from law to grace, and there is sometimes this weakness um, or this struggle that we have. And we we're just talking, like Billy was just talking about how. When, he goes from, when you go from a lot of activity to a place of rest, um, sometimes you feel like you're not doing enough. When you're doing a lot of activity for God and you come to a place of rest in Him, you may think, you know, I'm not doing enough. Is this the way it should be? But it's very important that we not run from that, that place of rest because for, what happens is on the other side of this rest, we cease from our own activity, and then the Spirit of God is able to work in us, and we begin to get very active, but it's, very, it's an activity in the Spirit. There's a zeal to tell others. Um, Ken and I were talking about how uh, he said, I can't help but share with people the good news of God's grace. I can't help but speak. And that's what the book of Acts said, that they could not help but speak what they'd seen and heard. When you really get it, when you really see the good news that Jesus himself took your judgment, took my judgment on the cross for my entire life. When you really see that, as Jesus said, when he went to the cross, he said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out, the one who accuses us. When you really see the good news that judgment is over, and beyond that, the resurrection, that a new creation has come by the gift of the Spirit, and that we're not the old person we used to be. We're a new person on the inside, even though outwardly we look the same. And that that new person is perfect and righteous and complete in him and joined to him. And when we see that the father loves us and he's, he's crazy about us, that he loves us as much as he loves the son, the Gospel of John says. The same love whereby he has loved the son, he loves us with. The same love. When, when all that really begins to dawn on us, you can't help tell people and talk to people about the good news. You can't help but talk about it. And so the true good news is so awesome. You don't have to organize evangelistic meetings or, or groups or witness groups. You don't have to put a guilt trip on people and say, how many people have you shared with today? You know, those old things that we have sometimes been put on us. You, you can't shut up. And you can't, and sometimes, but it's not, it's not this babbling all the time either. I mean, you're really at rest and you're planting seeds. Something God showed me about sharing the gospel is that don't try to convince somebody of something. Don't try to uh, change their mind. Look, don't look at it that way because there will be a tension there. But look at it as one who is planting seeds. That's how Jesus did. He would say things and walk away. He'd say things. He says, well, if, if this is this, then why does the Scripture say this? And they, he'd leave them pondering. When he was only 12 years old in the temple, the Scripture says that he wasn't trying to teach the elders, you know, he, the scripture says they were amazed at the questions he asked. As a 12-year-old boy, he was, he was saying, well, if probably something like he said in one of the Gospels, he said, well, if, if, if the Messiah who, who is coming 
is to be the son of David, then why does David call him Lord when he says, My Lord, sit, uh, my Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou. See? So, and they knew the, he knew the scriptures and they knew what he was getting at and they were like, wow. So, yes, he is going to be the son of David, but that means, that implies he's God. How can the son of David be Lord? And he left him there, see? And, but that's the kind of thing, that if, we, if we plant seeds, the pressure's off. The scripture says, one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. Yes? Just, uh, I, I really agree with that completely. And one of the interesting things, we, we were involved in Bible translation. We are involved in Bible translation with Bible translation. Awesome. And over the years, we had done a couple of studies on why is it that some groups of people that didn't have any part of God's Word respond vigorously to the gospel, and others don't seem to respond quite so quickly and that kind of thing. The fellow that did the study came up with a phrase that I like a lot called good news encounters. And as he looked at people that came to know the Lord in situations where they had no access to the good news prior to Scripture coming, almost inevitably there were not, there were very few instances, there are some because God is a God of miracles, but there are some instances where someone doesn't know the Lord, they hear about the Lord, and immediately they said, yes, this is what I want. Most of them have hundreds of good news encounters before they actually make the decision. And those good news encounters are the kind of gracious, graceful, grace-filled encounters that you're talking about of planting seed. Yes. They're not going out and babbling and preaching and hitting people over the head with scriptures. It's being loving to your neighbor. It's sharing a cup of cold yep. water in my name. It's all of these kinds of things yep. which are good news encounters which lead to the point where the person says, God's grace is so, so huge, I can't refuse it. That's awesome. I think that's a neat kind of example. Yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. That's exactly right. That is that's so true. And the, and the pressure's off of us to, to make something happen right then because God has um, the next person down the road is going to say something. You know, it's, it's not all up to us to make this happen now. You know, it's like um, I think God is so patient that I told somebody one day, I said, God is so patient. I think I was talking to Cooper about this. That God, God is so patient that he will say God is wanting to reach a particular person. And so he'll live through me with, with the patience of God in me to a degree and then, and then I get all, you know, in my flesh and I, I've had it with this guy and I can't, he won't listen, you know. And so, so God says, that's okay, you're out, you're in. You know? And now, Ken, now Ken's in the, in the game and uh, God's not mad at me and he's not mad at, at, at the person that I'm frustrated with. God's not frustrated. All right, now Ken is like fresh, showing patience. And then Ken, you know, look, I got to go to work. You're not. And then, okay, Ken, you're out. Bob, you're in. See, he'll go through 50 people because he's so full of patience and long suffering. And uh, so that's, that's just, it's, we plant seeds and God's working through us and we just move on. And it's really cool. I think that um, a huge seed that was planted in the Apostle Paul's life was when Saul, at the time named Saul, saw Stephen getting stoned to death. And the scripture says Saul was holding the garments of the Pharisees. He was holding their robes while they killed Saul, or killed uh, Stephen. And here's Saul holding the robes of the Pharisees, who was uh, zealous for the Ten Commandments and the Law and the Torah, Old Covenant, you know. And and um, and here's Stephen testifying. Awesome. One day I want to go through that that um, the message that Stephen shared. It's in the Book of Acts. It's awesome. It's a complete the spirit. Up on, on Stephen opened the whole history of the Jewish people all the way and showed the heart of God, you know, and, 
and um, what God's really after. He's not, a, he's not after a temple made with hands and all this awesome stuff. And, um, but I believe a seed was planted because he saw, they said that Stephen's face um, shone as an angel, the glory of God on his face. And he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they knew what that meant. They were, he was saying Jesus was, was the Messiah that they killed. And so they couldn't stand it, you know, and they put their hands, you know, on their ears and they rushed toward him to kill him. And Paul's watching all this. And I think that was an awesome seed that was planted. But he, he didn't get converted that day. He saw this awesome way, this awesome death, that because in his death, he cried out for forgiveness and not judgment. Father, forgive them. Don't lay this to their charge. Exactly what Jesus did. You know, so he saw the glory of God and God's mercy. Anyway, so that's planting of seeds is, is God's way. So I don't know, maybe someone just needed to hear that today. Just be encouraged that you don't have to try to convince somebody of what you're learning about the finished work of Christ. Just, just plant seeds and watch the, the living seed grow. It's awesome. Uh, okay, let's look at this verse real quick. Exactly. You know, and it's not never meant for us to have that anyway. That's exactly right. And, and, and that statement right there is true of the whole Christian life. You know, it's, it's, we can't live the Christian life without the Spirit. We can't see spiritual things without the Spirit. The whole Christian life is a life of dependence on Him. You know, everything. And anything that puts you under a burden like that will eventually burn you out. Yep, that's exactly right. Small-minded to think that you have to do it, and you, it's like what you were saying to see the big picture, to see that God used Stephen's death, your death, as you know, a point that could have brought everything. He, he pulls it all in for His glory. Yes, yeah. It's all. It's it's so much bigger. Yeah. Than us. It's so much bigger than us going up to one person and thinking we have to do it right here. And yeah, now. that's a good it's point. So it's, huge. it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And he'll use His death to do it. It's yes. So big. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, like God. For all things work together for good. Yeah. And just such a rest in that way. Okay, let's look at this real quick. Uh, Galatians. Let's just, uh, let's see, verse uh, 16, chapter 5, verse 16. Chapter 5, verse 16 in Galatians. But I say, walk by the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please, or that you really want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, let's stop right there for now. 16, 17, and 18. This is so cool. Um, Paul's answer to sin is to simply walk in the Spirit. That's an awesome, simple answer. Um, but what it means to walk in the Spirit is where we need revelation. Because people have all different ideas about what it means to walk in the Spirit. Like, 
Billy was saying some people believe walking in the Spirit means never missing a church service. And, um, you know, every time there's an event, you've got to go to that event that the church is putting on. And um, you've got to get in your Bible every day. And you've got to pray four hours a day and all these things. And we misinterpret what really it means to walk in the Spirit. Um, and it's also interesting that you see that Spirit and flesh are the two things that are put in opposition to each other. Spirit and flesh. That's where we divide things, flesh and spirit. That's where God divided things. When he cut away the body of this flesh, the scripture says, and circumcised us and joined us to himself. Um, as we said one Sunday, we don't divide things like some teaching says, you know, you've got your, your positionally righteous in Christ, so your standing is righteousness, but your state while on earth is not righteous. You're working on it. You're trying to get, you know, more righteous, more holy, whatever. And so we divide it that way. And God says, no, you don't divide my work that way because if you don't see the unseen, you will divide it that way. Paul says, look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. See, if you look on that which is seen, you'll divide it that way because I don't see myself walking perfectly. Therefore, yes, my, my standing is holy and righteous, but my state, my actual state is not, and God's working on me to make me more holy. That's error. That's wrong thinking. And if you have that kind of thinking, you can't even begin to walk in the Spirit. Because right there, it's, it's a barrier to walking. It's a barrier to the real meaning of what it is to walk in the Spirit. God says, no, your standing is righteousness and your state is righteous. You, your state, your actual state on earth is righteous and holy and blameless because of a new creation. That is within. That's the state. You really are what God says we are. And so we look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. So where do I divide it? I divide it in spirit and flesh. The reality is in the spirit. The true, the truth and the real is in the spirit. The flesh is not, is not, the, uh, it's not the real. It's real, but it's not the permanent. It's a temporary thing. These bodies are temporary. Um, God literally quarantines sin in our mortal bodies when he cut away the body of this flesh. Now, the body is not evil. The body itself is not evil. But the power of sin in our mortal bodies is evil. It's a mystery. The Bible calls, the scripture calls, it's the mystery of iniquity. It came down from Adam and Eve, from the eating of the tree, from, the, from their disobedience. It's in the blood. It goes through the bloodline to all the sons and daughters of Adam. And that's why Jesus had to be born from the Father and not from an earthly father. He had to be born of a virgin because the bloodline would not, he, he had no iniquity in him, in his blood. Okay, so, so the, God literally quarantined this mystery of iniquity, this power of sin in this mortal body. And so that's why the scripture talks a lot about how um, the spirit will put to death the deeds of the body. Isn't that interesting? And so, but it's not that the body is evil now because Jesus took upon himself a body. But the power of sin in the flesh is what we're talking about. Okay. So when we say uh, to walk in the Spirit, in a word, this is, what it, this is what I see it means. This is what has helped me understand what Paul is saying. And it's very simple, but it's very profound. And we're slow to believe it. That's the problem. It's not complicated. It's just so profound, we are slow to believe it. And that's what Jesus said on the road to Emmaus. He said, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
See, we're quick to believe the part of the prophets that says God is holy and we're sinful and God's mad and judgment is coming. We're, oh, we believe that right away. We, oh, yeah, that's right. But Jesus said, you're slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I love what Joseph Prince said this morning. He said, under the law, under the old covenant, under the, under the law and the prophets, God said, I will by no means never, never, never clear the guilty for the third and fourth generation. He, he who sins, I will by no means clear the guilty. That's under the law. Under the new covenant, God says, I will by no means remember your sin no, anymore. I will, by, I will by no means count your sins against you anymore. Something major has changed. And that comes from Jeremiah. When Jeremiah prophesied, behold, a new covenant is coming. I will make a new covenant, not like the covenant I made with them when I brought them out of Egypt, which is the Ten Commandments and the covenant from Sinai. But this, in this covenant, I'll remember their sins no more. I will be merciful to all their iniquities. Okay. Awesome. And that's the covenant we're in. That's why it's good news. And that's why we can, we can uh, you know, enjoy this awesome reality. Okay. All right. Walking in the Spirit is... Basically this. This is, the, this is what it is, and it's so profound, we're slow to believe it. We're slow to believe, um, but we do believe it. We just need to grow, yes, in this awareness because uh, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And we've said this before, but this is what it is. Walking in the Spirit is living your life as if you actually were in heaven. Now. Think about what I just said now. Because what is in heaven? Walking in the Spirit is reminding ourselves of the truth that I'm where He is. He's where I am. I'm perfect. There's no sin in heaven. I have his favor. I'm in heaven. I'm in... Uh, the reason why the, the promises under the old covenant were conditional, if you do this, I will bless you. If you don't do this, you will be cursed. The reason why under the new covenant that all the promises of God are yea and amen in him and not conditional is because if you think about it, what was the condition really of the old covenant? It was to do so that you would be righteous. See? So if you were righteous, according to the law, then you'd be blessed if you did the law. If you did not do the law, you were not righteous, therefore you'd be cursed. So that's why all the promises of God are yea and amen in Him. Because why wouldn't God give you every promise? Because you are righteous. Isn't that awesome? That's another thing. See? These are the things of the Spirit. The Spirit is given to show us the things that are freely given to us. The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. These things are what the mind is being renewed to. This reality that, that there's no separation between me and God, not for a second. That I walk on earth as if I'm walking in heaven. This is awesome. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And we're slow to believe it because we say, I can't be that good. Because, see, in the New Covenant, sin is not even imputed to us. Where there is no law, there's no 
transgression. Sin is not imputed. Righteousness is, you, have, you and I have received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness that we might reign in this life. See? Now that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. To walk, yes? I, I think we just, or myself anyway, I have to transcend this concept of time because, you know, say you pray for something or you believe something and then you don't see it manifest in time and space, you know, within what you think is a reasonable amount of time. Right. And yet, you know, a couple of years go by and you see that it was given, you know, done. And we, we, I think that if we, if we understand that time is just really a physical thing and that it doesn't exist in eternity, and that's true. be stumbled up on that time thing where we, want, we think things have to happen within... Uh, given amount of time or Judith, I think that's really right on. It's right on because we do know in Revelation it says that when, all, when everything is done, then time shall be no more. And Jesus lived that way on earth. There's no time in heaven. And he lived that way. You know, they, they came to him and they said, we know our brother will live again uh, on the resurrection, at the day of resurrection, and at, the, at the last day he will live again. And, and he looked at her and he said, I am the resurrection. Not an event, not a time, not a day. I am the resurrection. See, that's a very big point. We are now tasting of the powers of the world to come, but it's in here now. It's a, that's a very big clue to us uh, resting in a, in a reality of the spirit that has no time. You know, and it brings peace and it brings rest. And who knows what God will do when we just let this grow in us, this revelation grow in us, the simplicity of it. But yet, it's very simple, but very profound, very profound. I want to say this real quick and we'll wrap it up. Um, Paul didn't say this statement just out of nowhere when he said, walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says it in the context of the Galatian letter that he spent four chapters, four and a half chapters, telling us you're not under law, but under grace. A big, big reason we have not experienced the fullness of walking in the Spirit is because we are still in our minds living as one under law. In our minds, in our thinking. So, in the context of this Galatian letter, he says, enjoy this liberty. Enjoy this other reality. Enjoy this realm. Don't be afraid to believe in the goodness of God. You know? And that's where, that's where you do pray. You do read the scriptures. You do meet with other saints. But it's out of this abundance of life that's flowing in you. You want to be with other saints. You want to read the scriptures. You want to, to walk and commune with Him. I mean, you're in heaven. You're in heaven on earth. You're a window. You're a window of heaven to everyone who meets you. And, and they, they touch you. They touch God, the presence of God. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You know? It's, and it's joy. And, and, um, and that's, and I'll end right here. That's one of the main, main things to get, I believe, saints. In this realm, there is joy. Joy. Who was the old uh, saint that had the orphanage? George Mueller. George Mueller said, God showed him what he would do every morning is that he wouldn't do a thing, say a thing, think a thing. He wouldn't until he got happy in the Lord. That's how he said it. Happy in the Lord. He found the secret that if he's not joyful on the inside, he's not seeing 
that he's in heaven and that God is right here. And no matter what trouble and what problem and what uh, challenge we have, if Jesus himself is in our kitchen and we're having coffee with Jesus himself, what if God be for us, who or what can be against us? And that brings you joy unspeakable and full of glory and that is what this the one thing remember that scene in Field of Dreams where they where they walk through the corn and uh, who was who was the actor that was the the writer um, we're not Kevin Costner but the the big black guy that that was yeah was it Earl Jones yeah he walked through the you know he said he said uh, I'm gonna go through and he was like putting his hand through the corn stalks and looking back and he wasn't sure about this other realm thing going in and then and then it's uh, then if you watch it close he goes like this kind of nervous about it and then he pulls it out and then he walks in looks back and then he starts laughing remember that he starts chuckling laughing as he disappears into the corn because the moment you die saints The scripture says he is able to present you before him faultless, blameless, with exceeding joy. The first experience, you know what it's like to die? The first thing you're going to experience when you pass from this body is incredible waves of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. It's going to be like, oh my God, the half was not told. And that's what he wants us to live in now. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the power of God working in us. That's why, you know, we should be, when we see the truth, this, man, we, we should have, like Robert used to say, you ought to have a twinkle in your eye. And a, it's, like, it's like Robert used to say, uh, my brother Robert here used to say that, um, he used to say, you know, the gospel is like having a diamond in your pocket. And you go up to tell someone this awesome good news. And they say, you know, there's no more diamonds in the world. And you're like, man, if you only knew, right in your pocket, you got the diamond. That's what it's like. A twinkle in your eye. That's how Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. She had five divorces. She was living with a man who was not her husband. I mean, a messed up life. Looking for life. Searching, thirsting for life. Five divorces and living with a man who was not her husband. And what does Jesus say? He he basically baits her to see if she'll be honest with him. And she was when he said, go bring your husband. And she was honest. And he said, you've well said. So he saw someone who was honest with him who was real with him. And then that was not the issue. Her life was not the issue. Then he said, with a twinkle in his eye and a smile with no condemnation because she ran back to her town and said, come see a man who told me all about my sin. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a condemning preacher, does it? And here's Jesus going, oh, woman, if you only knew who I was, I can give you water to drink. You never thirst again. See, it's all about him. Not us. Not our track record. Not our resume. Anyway, let's wrap up here. Let's close. But Lord, thank you so much for helping us see. Oh, God. Heaven has come. They went everywhere preaching the glad news of the kingdom of heaven. Men could enter into heaven now while they walked the earth. Because the kingdom is within by the Spirit a righteousness and a peace and a joy that is not of this world. Help us see this realm, Lord, more clearly that no matter what comes against us, we're at rest because we live and move and have our being in God. For our life is hidden with Christ 
in sight of God. And if God be for us, who or what can be against us? Thank you for heaven, Lord. Thank you for heaven that we have inside of us because of what Jesus did. Behold, behold, the kingdom has come. Soon to be manifested visibly. And that which is inside shall be seen outside. And the good news of this realm shall be proclaimed in all the nations as a witness. And then shall the end come. Amen.